Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. The Bird family has a rich history in motorsports and around the city of Indianapolis. They took names like Rich Vogler and Stan Fox from the dirt tracks to the Indianapolis 500. Over the years, a who's who of racing has driven a car at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway or dirt tracks around the country with the Bird name on their car. This time on the show, I'm joined by Jonathan Bird, who along with father Jonathan and brother David have been neck deep in motorsports for decades. Currently, Jonathan is working to open Circle City Raceway in Indy with plans for a diverse schedule of dirt racing in 2021. We talk about the origins of the track, what to expect in 2021, and his family's incredible motorsports past. But before we get to Jonathan, this episode is brought to you by Blood Lubricants. Have you checked out Blood yet? If you're riding around in your car at work today, listen to me and thinking, I'm not a dirt racer. Why do I care about racing oil? Let me stop you. Besides our high-quality synthetic racing oils, Blood has all kinds of other products. Yes, racers should check them out because you can basically have all of your needs covered by one stop. And we've talked a bunch about all of their race wins in 2020. But non-racers will find all sorts of great products as well. Need oil for your side-by-side? Blood has it. Need high-quality ATF for your car or truck? Blood's got it. Need penetrating lube or some cleaning products for your garage? Check out Blood. If you'd like to see the full line of Blood products, visit bloodlubricants.com. That's B-L-U-D lubricants.com. You can also click the banners at the top of the pages at dirttracker.com. And when you're ready to buy, Blood is offering Dirt Tracker listeners a nice little discount. To get 25% off most products, use code DIRT at checkout. That's D-I-R-T, all caps, at checkout. Now, let's get to my conversation with Jonathan Bird. I guess, Jonathan, we'll start with... Uh, tell me the story of Circle City Raceway. It's, you know, we've seen a bunch of exciting announcements here in the last couple of days and weeks, but uh, you know, where did this idea come from and, and why did you guys want to get started with this? Yeah, so about uh, four or five years ago, I, uh, I thought I had the idea. You know, we were working with Brian Clausen and you know, there was just uh, seemed like there were opportunities abounding on the USAC schedule. And you know, just, there was no short track in Indianapolis you know, before – you know, they were talking about doing the IMS oval back then, but uh, in any event, I knew about the Marion County Fairgrounds, that there was uh, some grandstands, I saw there was an oval, so I had approached the, the, uh, the, the fair board president at that time to discuss what his thoughts might be of someone taking over the oval, putting on a race over there, and they were all for it, and USAC was all for it, but I just didn't have the financial wherewithal to do that. I wanted to have some type of track. And then the Speedrome changed hands and uh, talked to the owner of the Speedrome who was buying the track. And after about an hour and a half of talking about why I should be this general manager, he's like, stop, okay, you got the job. <laughs> but uh, in any event, uh, uh, you know, we ran the, we've ran the Speedrome since the end of 2016, and it's been a, a huge success at the Indianapolis Speedrome. And, over the summer, Kevin Garrigus, the track owner, and I were just talking about different business ideas, and the subject of dirt track racing came up, and I said to him, you know, there's a, there's a dirt oval at the Marion County Fairgrounds, and I, I talked to them a few years ago. They were interested. I could reopen those communication lines and see what can maybe happen there. So I did so, reached out to the new fair, fair board president. Well, little did we know about the same time, the uh, Marion County Fair Board president had a board meeting uh, and uh, they decided as a board that they wanted to reach out to us at the Speedrome to take over and maybe manage their, their dirt oval. So the timing was very serendipitous. We had a 
couple meetings and negotiated our way through the uh, what we were going to do and made a presentation to the Marion County Fair Board and um, and it was just very smooth sailing and we took over on October 1st and hit the ground running and so that's kind of the uh, the serendipitous timing and the story of uh, of how the Circle City Raceway came into being. What uh, when you guys kind of take over the facility, you know, what did you find there, and and what have you had to do to get it ready for yeah. your season coming up? Well, there wasn't uh, more than uh, a three thousand seat grandstand, some really nice must go lighting, uh, and then the big empty field that was basically an oval that they had run some motorcycle racing and some and some hills that they did some motocross type things there. So we have had to put in a whole bunch of infrastructure. There are no restroom, there's no concession stands, no real, really anything there at all other than that. So we have uh, built, uh, we're almost done with two huge concession stands. One's a hundred foot long, one's 70 foot long, and they both have really nice restrooms that are gonna be super clean all the time. And and uh, that's how we, we, we basically built the same building at the speed drum this past summer. So we have such a good design. We're just doing it again. So we built two of those. Uh, we've bought 2000 more grandstands that we're going to erect before we open in May next year. We're going to, uh, we're of course building the racetrack right now and Petrie excavating and Scott Petrie, who's a USAC midget owner is, and, and the man who built the, in, the oval for the inside IMS, he's building our racetrack as well. So um, those are the main big things we've done. A lot of run a lot of electricity. Um, you know, we've got to build a big pond, a retention pond, so that we'll have plenty of water to, to keep the track uh, prepared. Got about half the track dug out and formed, and, and we're just all the dirt's on one side of the racetrack that we need, so the clay is going to kind of move over as we dig out the other half of the racetrack. <clears throat> so it'll be formed here as long as we don't get too frozen here in the middle of central Indiana. And... Um, and we've got a whole bunch of other things, just the little little details of, you know, we've got a scoreboard sponsor. We're going to have a video board at the racetrack. <clears throat> we got to get that erected and purchased. And we've bought the track lights. So we've bought the kitchen equipment. We've, you know, we need to buy, figure out our internet platform to stream our races and all the accoutrement that goes with that. Uh, you know, a good PA system, building a, building a, a start finish line score tower, uh, uh, flag stand, uh, just it's, and then erect the fencing that will separate our pit area. There's just a lot of little things like that that need to be done. And, and uh, we've got, well, today's the 19th. So tomorrow is five months to our opening day event, which will be the all-star circuit of champions running a two-day show, kicking off Indiana, I can't remember the name, but it's a, it's a mini Indiana winged week we're having with the All-Stars. So it's going to be really a fantastic week for wing racing, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But, uh, yeah, those are the types of things we've got to do, plus another oh, – I've got a backpack full of things, <laughs> list of things that I still am working on, but I've got a, we've got a great bunch of people who are so excited who want to help us out. I had a great meeting with a, a safety guy this week who's going to maybe become our safety director and have taken care of all those people. We've got a great crew of people at the Indianapolis Speedrome who want to work both places. But as I look at our schedule, we've got 60 races between our two racetracks scheduled, and um, <laughs> some of them are on the same night. So it's not going to be possible to be in two places at one time, but I'll see myself whenever there's a conflict mostly at the dirt track. 
I don't think I may have to miss one figure eight, which will kind of upset me, but what can you do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made this decision. I, I decided to do this. So it's my own fault. Right. <laughs> you, you mentioned it there. So we'll just go right into it. You guys have come out absolutely swinging with the schedule for next year. You've got all stars coming. You've got ASCS national tour coming. You've got USAC nights, you know, you've got late model schedule, the Thursday night thunder deal. Uh, you know, tell me how the the reception has been talking to all of the series and, and, you know, what, uh, what other things can we expect out of circle city raceway in the coming years? Um, Oh, you know, my vision for Circle City Raceway is really patterned after becoming like Eldora, a big event racetrack with some things that we need to do weekly, bi-weekly, tri-weekly, semi-regularly. We have a commitment to run a lot during the Marion County Fair. So that's a big thing is that all those people will pay their fair admittance and that helps the fair with their finances as a part of our deal. So we're running as many events as we can during the fairgrounds, uh, during the fair week, June 25th through July 4th. Um, you know, I, and then the other thing that I noticed that and what kind of guided my philosophy of what this track was going to be was I didn't want to be, we're the new kids on the block. I didn't want to step on toes of all the great short tracks in central and throughout Indiana. So good friends with Jerry Gappins at Gas City and, getting to know the Connors, the O'Connors at Kokomo Speedway and talking to some of, uh, talking to Plymouth Speedway and Ira Saunders up there and at Kennedy. And, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get to talk to the Helfriches down at Tri-State Speedway and all the other, I mean, there's the Spikers and, and, you know, there's Lawrenceburg. I mean, there's a lot of great dirt tracks and we didn't want to be, somebody's going to step on toes. And so, you know, sprint cars and non-wing sprint cars in the state of Indiana are keen. Totally understand that. You can't really just add a, another sprint car division at another racetrack to see what it could happen. But what I did notice, and as I've done a lot of research and watching all the racing over the summer with nothing much else to do, you know, I bought my flow, my first float subscription and I got a dirt vision and I just watched tons of races. And I've just, over the past two or three years, the, the preponderance and the growth of definitely the grassroots and dirt but also wing racing and hearing more and more guys uh, wanting to go wing sprint car racing. And, and you saw that with the announcement just recently about Clawson Marshall racing, going full-time with the all-stars with sunshine and Tyler Courtney. Um, there's just more guys wanting to run wing sprint car races and Indiana had, you know, one or two a year. And that's the void in the marketplace that I'm hoping that we will fill and be the trailblazer for uh, racing in Indiana and to kind of feature winged 410 sprint car racing and to do it on Thursday nights as I as I got advice a lot of advice from Bernie Stubgen and and Tim Clawson is you know if we could run on a Thursday night when nobody else is running it doesn't interfere with any of the Ohio tracks it doesn't interfere with the all-star schedule the world of outlaw schedule I would I paid a lot of attention to those schedules a guy could come over on a Thursday night run to 400 to start, which is, is fantastic, I think, and and uh, and try some things and before they go out to the All-Star races or go back to their home tracks. And so it's going to be a very, you know, racer-friendly event. We're definitely going to do everything we can. Uh, we, uh, I'm going to announce my purse here soon, but it's going to pay 3100 to win. So a little bit more. I want to say we have the biggest – weekly purse, weekly purse between the Alleghenies and the Mississippi River. <laughs> so uh, Williams Grove and Iowa, that's, those are the separation points, but I've got 30, <laughs> you know, even paying more than Houston's is going to pay on their set on their Saturday nights. So um, we're going to pay 3,100 to win on that. 
and uh, 400 to start, and really good, really good, you know, salty purse, but uh, hefty, and we want it, but we want to take care of racers, and that draws the racers, the fans will come, and that's what we want to be able to do, is showcase fantastic racing, and on a Thursday night, we're only going to run two classes, so you'll be able to get in, watch a full show with another support division, I'm hoping to make that USAC Midgets, and uh, we're, we have 305s on the schedule, the Indiana Race Saver Series, and <clears throat> uh, but Having that's the other thing in the future. I want to see more USAC midget racing in the state of Indiana, a place to give guys a regular place to race because there's just so few places for the Indiana midget series or USAC midgets or the regional midgets or whatever it is. Um, you know, that's where my heart is. That's where I grew up is watching my dad win two national championships in USAC and, and Rich Vogler and in the midget program. And, and so that's, uh, that's exciting with what we're going to do with Thursday night thunder. And, uh, we wanted to have a big event. You know, we don't have any history. We don't have history. Like everybody else has their memorial, their 54th annual this and that. And we have that history at the Speedrome, where it'll be our 80th year this year at the Indianapolis Speedrome, our 80th anniversary. Um, but this new track, we needed something big. And that's uh, my colleagues. We were talking about who can we honor? What can we do? And we brought up John Andretti. And John Andretti winning the 1983 USAC Regional Championship at the Indianapolis Speedrome. And so he's an Indiana guy, and we just lost John, unfortunately. So I reached out to Jarrett and the family and, uh, and said, hey, what if we did something like a John Andretti Memorial Double Race where we're running sprints and midgets? Um, and what if we called it the double and what if we did for Riley, the race for Riley and continue on everything. And they loved the idea. So, uh, USAC loved the idea, <clears throat> didn't know where it was going to go, but <clears throat> fortunately, uh, had a good relationship with Bob Sargent and track enterprises. And he needed a, some help with a September USAC uh, sprint car race date. So we moved that to circle city. That's why we got that. And I think USAC rewarded us by expanding Indiana midget week. And so that Wednesday night, June 9th race, we're going to have uh, a USAC Indiana Midget Week race at Circle City Raceway and honoring John Andretti with the sprints and then or with the midgets. And then uh, there will be a sprint car race. I hope to announce the, the sanctioning body that's going to come along because I don't have a non-wing sprint car uh, division. So we're going to need somebody to come race with us because everybody else who has a midget week race has their own sprint cars. So they race their sprint cars. So it'll be a fantastic night. And, uh, we're going to be family friendly and $25 and kids 12 and under will be free. And, uh, we're, we're really excited. And I think that's going to be a huge, uh, a huge kickoff to midget racing here in the circle city. You mentioned Tim Clausen there and, and Bernie Stubgen, and I'm curious, you know, with so much of, especially open wheel dirt racing kind of centered in and around that Indianapolis area, you know, what's the response been like from, from those types of guys, from the drivers and stuff that live there, that this racetrack is opening up? You know, I, I've talked to a few and there, and there's a, there's an excitement. Um, they want to do it. They're excited. That they're 10, 15, 20 minutes away and not having to drive three or four hours, five, six hours to go to a midget race and, or to a wing race. Cause there's, these guys are based in Indianapolis. So it's just crazy. You know, they're based right here in the, in the Metro area or they're based in Columbus or, or wherever, Indiana. And uh, they're just, it's weird to have all these winged cars who have to travel outside the state to race. So that's really exciting. And they've been really excited about that. That's a response, uh, you know, in your race parks, they want to help uh, my friend McKenna Hassey. Uh, she wants to race as well. Hopefully she'll be able to do some. And, 
you know, I'm sending out to my uh, my invitation right now to every winged 410 sprint car racer in the area and the country, wherever, you know, come out to the Circle City Raceway. You know, I'm going to promise you everything I can to make sure you have a great, fantastic surface and that we're going to run a clean, great program and that we're going to take care of you all. And that's going to be a place where you're going to want to race. So uh, if that's the case, please come on out. Enjoy us. Give us a chance, you know, run for a little bit of a championship. You're not racing anywhere else on a Thursday night. Come on out. And it was all, it'll all culminate with what I'm calling the Hoosier Harvest Shootout in October. Uh, nobody's racing October 15th and 16th. I checked all the schedules. So have everybody come out to that race. So we're going to do a, a cool two-day show with a unique format that will run Friday and Saturday, 6,000 to win Friday night, 21,000 to win on Saturday night with uh, that purse going up $1,000 every year. So 2021 will be 21,000, 2022 will be 22,000. We've got a 30-year lease, so this is going to get up to $50,000 one of these days to, uh, <laughs> to pay for this Hoosier Harvest shootout that we're excited to have and cool trophy that we're, we're wanting to uh, build traditions here at Circle City Raceway. Your name and, and your family's involvement in, in motorsports goes back a long time and, and in kind of doing some research for this, like, you know, I, I've certainly seen the bird name on all kinds of race cars and stuff over the year and you know, over the years and Brian Clausen running the Indy 500. But, you know, tell me about, you know, your, your dad and, and, you know, the history at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and, and all of the things that your family's been involved in over the years. I love that. Yeah, I love telling the story uh, back in the, the 60s and 70s, my dad was what he liked to call himself a P&P kid, and that was the push and polish guy at the, the, the stock car races that were happening at Raceway Park on the west side, and um, now called Lucas Oil Raceway, and so everybody knows that I as IRP, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he was a push and polish guy and and uh, loved loved the stock cars, and, and as he was building his businesses, he started... Uh, he started racing as a car owner and fielding the pro stock cars at the Indianapolis Speedrome in 1982. And in 1983, he hired a young gun and they won a ton of races, named Mike St. John. And in the 1984, the track owner at the end of 1983 and the early 84 said, if you're going to keep racing pro stocks, you got to support my USAC midget program. And John Stiles had the regional midget program at the Speedrome, which famously led to ESPN Thursday Night Thunder happening in Indianapolis and all across the country and around the world. That's where it was formed. And so, um, but going back a little bit, dad's like, man, if, if I got, I hate, I don't like midgets. They slow up the, you know, they slow up the program. They got to push them off. But he goes, if I have to, then I want the best. And he started watching the midget racing at the speed drum. And he noticed this guy in a black 74 going to the outside and passing cars around the champions groove at the speed drum. And he's like, man, if I'm going to do this, I want the best. And that's the, how the relationship between Rich Vogler, Bob Lowe, and my dad started. And, uh, and so won the 1984 track championship at the Indianapolis Speedrome, the USAC Regional Championship. And there was a, a cool, unique bounty that was, uh, that was uh, created by the track owner. He said and announced if anyone won the 1984 Speedrome track championship in USAC Midgets, uh, if they qualified for the Indianapolis 500 the next year, it'd be a $10,000 bonus or bounty as he called it. So that was my dad's motivation to go to Indy. And, you know, there was a talk about always oh, Richard, Richard, you know, had completed his rookie test and there's always people talking about taking Rich to Indy, but he had heard it before and my dad made it happen. And so 1985, we qualified for the 500 and made it and, and we were racing that nationally uh, in the USAC Championship Series 
in the midgets, 86 and 87. My dad won the car owner championship both those years back to back and um, still doing Indy every year. And so dad did Indy from 85 through 2001 and attempted every year, only missed it a couple times. But through the history with that, you know, after Rich died, we have Stan Fox and Scott Brayton and, in 1994, my dad put together the double for John Andretti, like we discussed. And so we were the first team to ever do the double, 1994. I teamed up with A.J. Foyt and, uh, for the 500. And we teamed up with Billy Hagen down in Charlotte for the 600. So that's there's some history there, of course, between our families and the Andrettis in 1994 that goes back. And then going forward a couple of years, the Indy Racing League was formed and my dad made the commitment to race that, you know, it was only supposed to be ovals and there's only going to be, you know, five to nine races. That's something we can handle. And so won the, won the Phoenix race in 1996 and set the track record at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with Ari Leyendijk and should have won that race going away. But, you know, Indy chooses its winner every year and it wasn't meant to be for us. Uh, but we did hope we did break the track record. It's 25 years old now, so that will never be broken. And that will be always a Jonathan Bird's car who did that. And then, uh, you know, my brother and I, you know, after a while, we did the race in 05 after a few year absence. And then we got back to uh, Indy in 14, 15, or 15, 16 with Brian. And then the last three years with James Davison. And, uh, you know, all the short track stuff with the Chasing 200 Tour. But it, none of that happens. None of the championships, none of the track records, none of the race wins, none of the IndyCar wins doesn't happen if it isn't for this little fifth-mile oval that fa that's world-famous for figure-eight racing on the corner of Brookville Road and Kitley Avenue in Indianapolis on the southeast side. And that's the history of our racing, where it all goes, where it all started, and where it all began. And that's uh, something that I – that's a story I love telling about – uh, my dad and yeah, our love for racing at the Indianapolis Speed Drum. I didn't even talk about the fact that I raced three years with baby grand stock cars, but I was never, uh, I was too much of a car owner to uh, ever really put the foot into the, to the floorboard as much as I should have and needed to, to be really, really successful. So, cause I knew crashes were thousands of dollars out of my pocket. <laughs> As you like, you know, in, in kind of looking at all the things you've done and, and what you're doing right now with Circle City Raceway, like you and, and your brother and your dad, like you guys are obviously very good at organizing and finding sponsors and networking and all these things. When did you kind of first get involved with, you know, what your dad was doing and, and helping out with, with all of this stuff to get these cars to the racetrack? Uh, when, when did I get involved or, or how did I get involved that you broke up a little bit? I'm sorry, bud. I'm saying so like, you know, you are, you know, you're an organizer, you're a networker, you're putting all of these deals together. When was that first opportunity to kind of work with your dad to be able to do some of that stuff and, and kind of start learning the ropes of all of this? You know, uh, back in the, back in those days, I was definitely, um, John the Bird's cafeteria was open, you know, the world's largest cafeteria and banquet facility. And, and so I had my, my duties there. So, uh, through 2001, really, my job in the IndyCar series was I was a spotter. So that was really cool to be able to spot the Texas win in 1998 with John Paul Jr. Um, and, you know, that, that in the 98, you know, we were really successful. Uh, so uh, that was my level of involvement because I had to work at the cafeteria. I had to take care of business. I had to sell the fried chicken and talk to all the customers uh, while dad was expanding the businesses out west with our hotels that we have in Goodyear, Arizona. Um, he got, he kind of fell in love with that area through racing because he'd go to the Copper Room Classic in the mid to late eighties and, uh, at, at PIR. So 
in the midgets races. So it all ties to racing. Like my brother likes to say, everything ties back to racing. So, uh, I was fortunate enough, uh, the, the, the owners of the speed drone from 1997 through 2013 really loved my dad and valued his, uh, advice and participation. You know, here's an Indy car guy who, who will come back and remember his roots and go back to the speed drone. And we watched racing whenever we could get off on a Saturday night from the, uh, from the cafeteria and go watch some racing. So, uh, I became friends with the owners back then, and they allowed me to start uh, kind of a hobby job of uh, marketing and uh, advertising sales, and uh, that's kind of what got my foot in the door. And from 2003 through 2013, I did about every job at the Speedrome, um, whether it was selling gas or I got in a flag stand. I did a lot of public address work and, and interviewing winners, called some races. Uh, for two years, I was actually the track concessionaire. We sold all the food and everybody loves, you know, us taking care of food, you know. Uh, that, uh, that was a big thing. And then the track got sold in 2014 and I, uh, I didn't get to go to the racetrack very much. That ownership group was... Uh, I hate saying bad about anything about anybody. So they were just, they just were a little sorely lacking and fortunately the speed drum got going. So I observed a lot, saw a lot, learned a lot, had a lot of ideas about, about promoting, about running a racetrack, running any type of entertainment facility, really, you know, cause we're not really in the racing business. We're in the entertainment business. And, uh, and that's, you know, kind of the philosophy you have as a promoter. It's, that's a successful philosophy to have as a promoter is to be in the entertainment business um, and just do all the right things to take care of. You've got two sides of the equation. It's, it's funny. I always talk about in the restaurant business, you got to take care of your customers and your product is dead. They can't talk back to you. You just form it how and make it work however you want it to do. It can't talk back. It doesn't say anything else. Your product is, you know, whatever you want it to be. Well, in racing, you've got your customers or your fans to take care of and your product, which are also people. So you can't, you can't just tell them what to do. They're people, they're human beings. So you've got to really have a fantastic customer service now two ways instead of just one way. And so you got to take care of your product, uh, which is people. And you got to take care of your fans, which are people. And you just got to do the things that you know, how you'd want to be able to go to a racetrack. You want clean bathrooms. You want fantastic food. You want the program to move along at a quick pace. You don't want to be bored. You want to be there for seven hours. You want to get in, get out have a lot of fun and say, I can't wait to come back again. Leave the people wanting more. That's another entertainment rule business. So when you have to give them six or seven racing divisions, that's not leaving the people wanting more. You know, if you run two or three divisions and you get them done at a good time and it's 945 and you're done and the family, they can go out and, you know, uh, there's nothing worse than watching a kid being carried out by his pet, uh, his, his, his dad, cause he's asleep and he didn't get, he didn't get to watch the figure eight. And I just, that's my, that's, that's, that doesn't make me happy. I want to make sure everybody got to see it because there's nothing like figure eight racing and there's nothing like dirt racing and, and nothing like racing when it comes right down to it. So I think I veered off course from your question. You did <laughs> so, a little bit, but, but, I, but I like the but answer. I hope I answered it in some way, shape or form. No, I, I'm good. I want to ask you specifically about 2015 and 2016 with Brian Clausen. And, and obviously you guys hadn't been to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in a few years before that. And so why go back? Why go back with Brian and, and kind of walk me through how that all came together? 
Yeah, that was, uh, and I'm going to give all of the credit in the world to my brother, David. He, uh, he really spearheaded everything. You know, there was a time, he's been out west for 20 years and living in Phoenix, working in the hotel business we have. And he's, uh, he really has developed the, his network within the racing world a lot more than I have. You know, I'm local speed drum guy, and he went to, he goes to IndyCar races, and, you know, he was able to go to all these different things, you know. And the relationship kind of goes back to when Brian ran Indy Lights, and it was kind of with the team that my brother was involved with, or at least he got to know him um, when Brian was running lights. And so, uh, and that was kind of the way the relationship and keeping an eye on what Brian was doing early in his USAC career, you know, early in the teens of uh, 2011, 12, and, and 13, and knowing what he was doing in the open wheel to try to get into Indy and stuff like that. So just super impressive and super impressed with what he did and, you know, putting together the business deals that were necessary to go racing and being able to go racing every year without having to worry about knocking on doors and trying to sell sponsors and, you know, making sure that, okay, you got the sponsor, but you know, you're always worried about next year. Now you got to worry about make sure you get the sponsor for next year. So you can keep going racing. If you get to, if you put together business deals that generate revenue each and every year for your business, uh, you you know use that same money that you were going to use in the business and use it for racing instead. So the best example I like to do this is like my brother talks about. This is the Roger Pinsky method of going racing. Roger Pinsky hasn't had any paid sponsors except you know maybe it's changed, but Miller Lite writes a check. But everybody else, all his deals are business to business deals. So he'll go and say to somebody like a lubricant, I'm like I'm going to spend 250 million dollars a year in oil for all my dealerships for all my businesses we got we're going to spend a quarter million dollars a quarter billion dollars in lubricants so go let's go to mobile one let's go to pins or let's talk to all the lubricant companies and say hey i'll give you 200 million dollars worth of business and, and then i'll give you 20 you know then there's a huge 25 million dollar sponsorship and it's going to go we're going to do all this racing so roger said i was going to spend a quarter million billion dollars no matter what 250 million dollars I'm going to spend $200 million in fuel. I'm going to spend $25 million in racing. And he puts the other $25 million in his pocket. And that's how Roger Pinsky does business with all his sponsors and all his race cars. And so at a much smaller level, we do the same thing with our businesses. And so when you see uh, some of the things we do on our race cars, um, it's those are, those are business to business deals that we were going to have to spend the money. It's a lot more fun spending it in racing. <laughs> So like obviously getting to, you know, kind of take part with that stuff with Clawson and the chasing 200 and all of that, you know, did it kind of feel a little bit like you guys were kind of carrying the torch almost for the dirt world with, with Brian kind of getting in at that time. And it kind of seems like around that time is when dirt kind of started, you know, rising back up again and kind of being, you know, kind of more central in motorsports. But what, what, what was it like kind of for, you know, during that time for you guys? You know, the biggest thing that I can remember that we were always were wanting to do is, and everybody wanted to see the USAC guy make it to Indy and the dirt track guy make it to Indy and a throwback to those, to those years of, you know, the sixties and the seventies and the fifties, I guess, of use of dirt track guys, you know, racing Indy 500. So uh, we did this, we did it with Vogler. I mean, we're one of the actual few people who actually do it. A lot of people talk about doing it, but we actually did it. We always, we took USAC guys to Indy. Stan Fox drove for us 1991, 1992, 
uh, Billy Vukovic was supposed to drive for us. And, you know, the day he was supposed to be signing his contract, my dad was at his funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, John Andretti is a, you know, he's a, he was a short track guy before he was a, a USAC guy. And my dad was, he wanted to bring this really young up and coming USAC star to Indy in 1996 uh, to run in the Indy racing league. But our sponsor at the time was scared of a rookie running their cars or else Tony Stewart would have driven for my father and not Larry and not uh, John Menard. So that's just everything that we've always wanted to do. And, and that, and when my brother was saying, you know, just like doing the business deals that started putting together, you know, that would pay for the racing, you know, Brian was at the number one, was the number one person on his list. He had the experience already. He, he had rear engine experience. He did the 500 with Sarah Fisher racing, uh, back in that year, I think it was 13 or 12. I can't remember exactly what year that was, but, um, but yeah, so, and then my, my brother attempted, uh, you know, just bad luck with Chris Winden two years at the, in the lights race, you know, um, no, I mean, the second year would have been fantastic. Chris was great. He was a lot more comfortable and then gets taken out in the first lap of the, of the freedom 100 that year. And so, you know, we just, and now there's aspirations for returning my nephew. His uh, he has twin boys, so the the second of the twin boys is becoming a racer. So Nathan Bird, uh, he has like seventy some races on his schedule for next year. My brother's put together between formula cars, USAC cars, pavement, um, a stock car program. I mean, there's going to be a lot of racing with our with our sponsors and Bird and what we've done for James and NASCAR with Rick Ware and and some other cool things we're working on right now. I can't wait to, I hope they all come to fruition so we can announce them. But uh, um, that's, that's just kind of been, I mean, we wanted that we, we want to see a USAC guy and, and it is as each year passes the gap between really being able to understand what it takes to run an Indy car now versus even back in the nineties and early two thousands to guys, you know, they're just, there's just no path unless you take somebody who's going to be committed and doing it and running it. Um, Cause and then what, another great thing about that is you've got USAC guys with a built in fan base. There's not a single F 2000 or, or pro indie guy that will put a single person in a, in a grandstand right now. There's nobody. And you know, it's all being funded through sponsors and family and there's nobody watching those races, honestly. But I bet you Chris Wyndham was in front of 200,000 people this year racing, if not more, and not, you know, and also on the internet, Tanner Thorson was in front of 200,000 people. And if you take a winged sprint car guy, you know, I'm sure they raced probably in front of, I guess, over half a million, half a million people, you know, so you kind of have that built in fan base kind of that. Uh, and then when you see, when well, that's now we've decided to do the opposite, we're not taking indie guys, we're not taking USAC guys to Indy. We're taking Indy guys and bringing them to dirt racing. So <laughs> we did, you know, we put together the Santino Ferrucci stuff and the James Davison thing. And we brought Connor to the Chili Bowl. So um, we try to do things that are interesting. And those are interesting things to do. You know, championships are great and, you know, running, you know, all that type of stuff. But we're, in, in, we're into interesting things right now, as my brother likes to say. I'll let you go. I certainly appreciate the time today, but I, I, I want to ask just kind of generally, you know, over the years we've seen you guys on Indy cars, we've seen you in, you know, now in NASCAR, midgets, sprint cars. I mean, the, the bird name has been everywhere. 
why is it so important to you and your family to just be involved in motorsports and, and, and to help out as many people as possible? This is in our blood. It just really is. And, you know, it's a great marketing tool, tool for what we do. Um, it makes a lot of sense for the business, the business things that we do as well. Um, and, but really when it gets right down to it, racing is in your blood and only racing people understand that for sure. I'm sure there's the, the, the basketball people in the world and the baseball people in the world, but well, you know, racing just, it seems like it's forever. You can do that. And, you know, you can go to races and you can afford to go, you know, multiple times per year and, you know, professional sports and any other stick and ball sports, you know, you can't afford to go to 50 events. You can go, you can go to 50 race events. And so just, it's, it's just down in the, it's down where the people are and we love, the that just be with people and that's where the people are and that's where we can we can promote our businesses and our partners businesses so i think does that answer your question for you know kind of the way i'm you know the way you asked the question is that absolutely that what i'm trying to say you kind of feel what i'm saying <laughs> yeah no I, I got you absolutely and, and honestly it's like you know the the good thing is is that there are people out there like you and, and your family that are that are supporting this because in in so many instances without people like you none of this exists so uh, I, over the years, I, I'm sure there are tons of people that would love to thank you. And, and I thank you, honestly, for, for all of the stuff that you guys have done. So, well, thank you, Justin. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of great people and a lot more people who've been a lot, in a lot longer and a lot deeper than we have. And we try to aspire to them and, and be like them. So, but I thank you for what you had to say about that. Well, I, uh, I'll let you go and, and get back to it. I know you have a lot of work to do, but uh, certainly appreciate the time today and, and good luck with everything going forward. That's right. And I just want to say one last thing. Hashtag in the dirt. Come play in the dirt at Circle City Raceway 2021 and in the future at uh, here in Indianapolis. We look forward to seeing everybody come out. The passion the Bird family has for racing is evident in their decades-long support of it. When you talk to Jonathan, you can hear that passion and excitement in his voice. Thanks again to Jonathan for his time, and make sure to check out Circle City Raceway in 2021. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok.